0: On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are sheltering beneath Netflix's Umbrella Academy, getting up close and personal with Amazon's cock-chopping documentary, Lorena. And if that doesn't put you off dating for life, then Connie Britton and Eric Banner's new limited series, Dirty John, certainly will. I'm James Dyer, and I'd like to welcome you once again to the podcast that began as an Empire podcast spin-off, but like Star Trek, the next generation has since eclipsed the original in almost every way. Joining me on this week's podcast, as ever, are my two compatriots, on my right, a man who, and for the first time in pilot intro history, this really is true, received a parcel this morning addressed <laughs> to Boddy Hilton. <laughs> this is true. This is this a bit like, like Jesse the Body no, Ventura or L the Body McPherson? No,
1: I think it's the opposite of that. Really? Um, yeah, it's them cocking my name up. Not just once, by the way, on that box. So I, didn't sh- I showed you the, yep. the label. Yep. There was three other labels. There's four labels on this box which came from New York, from a new TV channel, all addressed to Body.
2: Wow. Yeah.
1: I want to meet them. Body. I well, want to hang out with yeah. Body. I He's the lithe... Uh, special other version of myself that doesn't exist anywhere in
0: my head that's almost as good as I thought Uh, so Terry received a cake from Tom Cruise before Christmas which said dear Terry here is a cake Tom Cruise but what's really funny is Alex Zane also got one and he tweeted about it and he said dear Zane comma Alex love Tom Cruise It's like hmm someone needs to learn how to mail merge
1: (laughs) That's amazing. I know. Uh, I want to see the list of the Tom Cruise cake receivers yeah, yeah. globally. Like, well, I'm really fascinated by that. I
2: searched it on Twitter and there are, <laughs> we're a little elite group.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, of, of? Of
2: people. How
1: many? Oh, oh. Oh.
2: oh, I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't okay. know. I didn't go through Twitter and oh, yeah. count them all. <laughs> Hands up if you've received have. a coconut w- cake from Tom Cruise. I
0: would have counted. You've just heard her, but on my left is Pilot TV's equally sexy editor-in-chief, a woman whose binge-watch of The Expanse should, by my estimations at this point, be coming to roughly the end of season two. How are you enjoying it, Terry? Are you uh, getting down with the Creole slang of the Beltaloda?
2: Did you not hear me say last week, (laughs) will I fuck, when you said will you be watching it?
0: See, I really had I had high hopes for you. I thought maybe you'd embrace you?
2: <laughs> embrace you? the
0: expanse. This has been an outpouring of, of positivity for that show on Twitter, on mine anyway. Yeah, I <laughs> um, was going to
2: say from on whose Twitter feed? Perhaps
0: not on yours.
2: Not as much. Mine.
0: All right. Fine. Well, before we get into what we're watching, and I tell you what's happening in uh, season six of The Shield. <laughs> no, don't worry. I'm actually going to spare you that this week. But we do. We actually have a listener question, which Ooh. I'm just going to throw out there without having given you any warning oh, at all. Oh, c- classic James new format during yeah. live yeah. pop during live recording. I of like this, this this bloody
2: banshee all over again. <laughs> if we ever
0: do an actual live podcast, I'm going to give you absolutely <sighs> no idea what's happening you until you get on stage. It'll be would. like, and now the wet T-shirt competition. Be like, what?
2: And the body will come yeah. into his own. Yeah.
0: It'll be, be quite extraordinary. Uh, right, so no, Phil Daniel at uh, philip081 asks us, what gets you guys more excited? Movies getting the small screen treatment? Fargo, What We Do in the Shadows, etc. Or vice versa, the Many Saints of New York, Downton Abbey movie? Yes. And why? The yes was mine, not his.
2: Oh, uh, I don't care
0: about... <laughs> wow! <laughs> Terry cares about neither T V nor
2: fruits. <laughs> no, I, I do care but I don't think and I hello Phil because um uh we follow each other on Twitter and you are a big supporter of both Empire mm-hmm. and Pilot. So I love you but I don't care about your question.
0: Wow. Mm, that's some serious shade, Phil, sorry about that.
1: I uh, I tend to think that the I think the sp- the film spin off of a long running TV show I do find it fascinating as a as a genre and I, and how wayward it can go. You know, going back to... Because this goes back to, like, the 70s, when things like, you know, on the buses would get a film <laughs> <laughs> made of it. And then you all, right, all the way through to the Inbetweeners, you know, mm. which was that Inbetweeners films. Those films were the biggest films in the UK box office of the years. They count, for example. That's fascinating. And the Downton Abbey one is... I mean, I am intrigued as a kind of, you know, pretty much as a Downton fan like you are. So I, I think it's somehow more fascinating that way. Oh, yeah, this TV show has become successful popular pop pop culture enough to warrant a huge big thing big screen thing and then do you ratchet it up do you make it bigger and you know Mm. how do you make it feel bigger of more of scale
0: than the tv show so yeah i'm going in with that I find them both very exciting (laughs) for slightly different reasons. So, like, if something's going from TV to film, it's epic, because this thing you've built a long relationship with over time, which went away and you thought you would never see again, has returned and gives you another hit. So that's massive, and that's incredibly exciting. But then, equally, when a film becomes a TV series, the possibility for a great story to get, like, detailed, long-form treatment is also massively exciting. Yeah. Except they're normally shit. (laughs) So that bit... Less exciting, you know. When they, oh, no one needed to see a Lethal Weapon series, you know what I mean. But some oh, yeah, things shit, you actually yeah. think, Do you know what? That was a film, but it would be much better as a as a as a series with real texture and depth to it.
2: So, <laughs> I think, <laughs> what, I think, I think <laughs> Terry is bleh.
0: producing, uh, uh, and he's just saying, "Move the fuck on." <laughs> from I this feel st- a lot like this. We've set the tone for this week's podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to be good for me. No. Um, all right, fine. Terry, what 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 have you been watching then? Tell us, please.
2: <laughs> so, uh, I've watched mainly two things. So, firstly, um, and this uh, was my viewing of this was prompted by Sally Hughes, um, the Guardian columnist, um, who's a friend of mine on Twitter, talking about this documentary called, um,
1: uh, Abducted, in Plain Sight. Abducted in Plain Sight, yeah, look.
2: So Boyd is holding up a piece of paper, guys. That's um, what I was going to choose. Abducted in plain sight. So this is the story. James, this has got you hating it written all over it. Yeah. yeah. So it is the story. It's a 1970s um, story about a young girl who is abducted um, in Idaho. That She's part of a small church-going community. And she's actually abducted. And this isn't a spoiler because it's, cl- it's, it's talked about from the very opening by a um, really close family friend and neighbour. It sounds kind of, you know, your typical true crime, you know, kidnapped, whatever. It is fucking nuts. And it is so, like, out there. Some of the twists and turns, some of the family dynamics, some of the little reveals, um, and I don't want to say too much because it will ruin it. The mum is one of the worst people who's ever existed. Pretty much every adult in the this. Dad. The dad. The dad. I mean, the dad. But, all, I mean... Honestly, it makes you lose any faith in any human beings. Nobody should be allowed to have kids or breed again after this documentary. But every time you think you've seen the worst of it, something absolutely horrendous comes along just to shock you. And I thought I was pretty unshockable after the Firefest, but this is like even more WTF than Firefest. And then the second thing I watched that I really enjoyed this week was um, a documentary on uh, iPlayer called Alt Rage Alt Right Age of Rage. It's a tongue twister. Mm. Um and it's a documentary series about the extreme right in American politics. Um and it is incredibly depressing and infuriating. Wow. You're welcome. You've
0: sold both of those to me immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that your television diet might do a lot to explain your overall demeanour.
2: Do you think? <laughs> yes. Do you? you see, but I watched dogs last week. I was talking about dogs. Oh, yeah, it was dogs last week. Yeah. I it's think true. I need Bring to Bring the dogs back. back. Go back yeah. to the dogs because yeah. between the age of rage and the like, fucking psychotic parents who I wanted to hunt down and harm, mm. I, yeah, I think it's not good for my mood.
1: I think the problem I've got is that I follow the same people as Terry on Twitter. So I also follow Sally Hughes um, and saw her talking about this thing and of course and I had to watch it. And it is, and so I, I watched it as well and it is unbelievable. And I particularly am obsessed with the father because, so there's, you have to be sensitive to the fact that this this, this is the story of the most horrendous abuse that's yes. been that, that's been um, com- committed on this poor woman who is talking about the experience throughout the documentary. Amazing. Who's amazing. Who's yeah. amazing. But when there are moments of it that are almost comic, when yes. the dad is so effing stupid and he allows certain things to happen and does certain things that are so extraordinarily stupid that it's almost like you, it, it, it's it reminded me of like one of the like a spinal tap yeah. style spoof documentary. It, it was so unbelievable. So, yeah, it is.
2: And the mom, it, is, mom has clearly got a massive kind of um, hard on for the guy yeah. who kidnapped her yeah. and abused her child. After, He'd kidnapped Um, her daughter. She
1: goes and has an affair with him. I mean, that's just one example.
2: And you're literally going, what? And, And there seems to be the passage of time has lent them no kind of sense of perspective or... Or any kind of, you know, um, there's no mere culpa element mm. to it where they go, oh, "I did a terrible thing," and it's just, and it's really hard to describe because, as I say, it sounds like your bog standard kind of kidnapping documentary, um, of which I'm very familiar with. But it just descends into being the most ridiculous, and every, and you're like, "Did that actually just happen?" It was a bit like you're on glue, yeah. but it is definitely worth, um, worth your time. Yeah. James
0: that yes, is abducted in plain sight and it is available where
1: on
2: Netflix Netflix, now. Netflix.
1: and the other thing other, another documentary now this um, we I would have insisted we reviewed but they wouldn't show it to us and, but now it is, it is available they, they had a big screening of it this is the new David Bowie documentary Finding Fame which by the time this goes out on Monday will have been on on BBC 2 on Saturday night and it will be on iPlayer and it is the latest and last so they've had two previous documentaries by the same director 90 minute focusing on specific periods in David Bowie's mm. life this one goes right back to the beginning pre um ziggy stardust when he recorded space oddity and james is already his eyes are glazing over but it is another kind of incredible insight into this unbelievable legendary extraordinary talent and how unique he was and how he did change the world not only of pop music but of culture sexuality etc 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 it's incredible david bowie finding fame it's on our player now ah i'll add that to my playlist
2: Will you? Will you, Absolutely though? Absolutely <laughs> not.
0: Um, right.
2: well, have you been watching, James? I've been
0: watching The Shield. You know I've been oh watching my The God. Shield. You asked. I said I was going to spare them this, but now you've seen what you've done. You've opened the floodgates. I have
2: opened the floods because when I said to you the other day, are you, are you really going to go on, on the podcast and say, once again, you're watching The Shield? I thought that was me kind of teeing you up to not do that.
0: Well, see, I'm on the penultimate se- season now, so that the end is in sight. I think I'll probably finish it next week and then I will definitely talk about it then. But... Uh, I'm now jonesing to start watching, uh, rewatching Sons of Anarchy afterwards. I also want to start. I've realised that I need to rewatch Breaking Bad. And weirdly, we when we have a, uh, an article on the Sopranos, a new issue of Pilot TV, and that's made me want to rewatch that as well. Add to that the fact that I have huge backlogs. I haven't finished The Punisher. I haven't finished Sex Education. Uh, there's some stuff this week that I want to do. I haven't finished Russian Doll. I'm getting very stressed. Terry, can I take off two weeks to just watch television, please?
2: I mean, that's what I presume you do with your holidays, anyway. Yeah,
0: that's that's pretty fair. You're you're watching of the Shield. Let me just
1: ask, answer <coughs> this ask this question. Yeah. So, how many episodes are you watching per like night? Well, slash I'm week?
2: watching.
0: I'm watching when I'm not watching other things like for reviewing for this. Well, we only had three things to watch for this. James. Yeah, but they were quite grueling. <sighs> uh, so then, so maybe I'm watching one on the way to work, one on the way back from work, and then depending on my evening, I will watch a couple in the <sighs> evening, so I can get through like a season a week, no problem. You know. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's my current diet. Okay. Crack on, tell it. Yeah, all right. Should we go on to news? Yes. Let's let's push on to news. This, I mean, this, uh, instantly jumps out as the first story I think Terry will bring up, but I'm going to pip it to the post because I know she's a big Piper, fan. Pip her to, I the, post. Piper to Piper the post. Pip her to the post. Uh, Terry, I mean, do you want to tell us that uh, Bern Gorman has signed on for season four of The Expanse?
2: Oh, God. It's Expanse the new Banshee? There's an Expanse <laughs> segment every week. Uh,
0: uh, ben Gorman, who, of course, plays Kai, played Carl Tanner in uh, in Game of Thrones, has been in a number of things as kind of an evil chap. Torchwood. Uh, and Torchwood, yes, indeed. And he has joined the fourth season of The Expanse, and he released a little Twitter video to announce him. So, hooray. The expenses.
1: to show. Remember that James got uppity with me on um, the WhatsApp group because I hadn't selected it for review, even yes. though it wasn't starting new and it isn't a new thing
0: anyway. Look, I was, I, I was, I was preemptively excited. Fair enough. Right, go on and let someone else have a go.
2: I want to talk about boomerang. Beam Rang. The Eddie yeah. Murphy
0: comedy from
2: the 90s. So, I used to love Boomerang. I've probably seen it about 15 times. As we all know, Robin Givens, Eddie Murphy. Oh, that's Abby, literally what this is. Abby, I was being facetious. Yeah, no, yes, mm. it's literally what this is. Um, and it, um, they are doing a sequel, a TV sequel, which doesn't have a UK um, distributor yet, as far as I can tell. Um, but it's a sequel, so it's not a reboot. Um, it is based on one of those daughters, right? Boyd, mm. I'm looking at you for, yep. like, clarification here. But um, uh, I loved Boomerang, and it was so sexy and so, like, cool and genuinely quite funny in places, and I think this is exciting.
0: It's not a great film. What um, do you mean it's
2: not a great It's film? no
0: distinguished gentleman from that particular era of Eddie Murphy's career.
2: I'm, it um, is. It, I'm telling you, that was... Is that was, where we
0: first saw Halle Berry?
2: No, not is it ever. Not? It
0: may be first where I saw Halle, I Halle mean, Berry. I mean, maybe but. the
2: first time you saw Halle Berry. And she was obviously kind of, you know, the nice girl kind of co- counterpart to sexy bitch Robin Givens. But this, I think this is exciting news. And I think you need to go back and watch Boomerang. Oh, happy to. And, I love Eddie Murphy. And agree with me.
0: Uh, well, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I'll definitely go back and watch So Bingham. it's the
2: son, so actually, I yeah. stand corrected, it's the son of Jacqueline Breuer, who was Robin Givens um, in the movie. So it's not
0: going to feature Eddie Murphy in any way? No. Right.
2: No, okay. I'm, no. Sorry. Well, yeah. been, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but fine. it's been p- p- partly created by Lena Waithe, mm. you know, who um, was in Ready Player One, is an incredible writer, actor, director. So I think this could be...
1: In a similar vein <laughs> right James is yeah. confused
2: about what's happening. He is
1: he is very confused. In a similar vein of a legendary old um revi- a revival of legendary old TV I know what you're gonna say. Yeah. I know what you're gonna uh, say.
0: Do it. Beaugerac. Oh no yes, that's not what's going
1: Dan, is Dan, coming Dan. back. Emmy Award-winning no, producer no, no, Gub no, no. Neal of the *Fallen Prime Suspect* fame is leading the development of the new version of Bergerac for Paramount Network. So it's like not just any old shit. i in it. I don't know. We haven't announced. Is John Nettles it. still alive? Yes. Yes. So he could be in it. Nettles could be in it. He was in um, Toast of London. You know that the, one, a very funny um, sitcom that Matt Berry does. He had he had a guest role in that. So he's still around. And a lot of jokes. A lot of the whole series was based on about at Bergerac, and now it's coming back in some way, shape, or
0: form. But I as yet. Bergerac.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: <sighs> what, what? Where was it? So he's a, he's a, he's like he's a is it a detective or a P.I or is he a police officer uh, yeah he's kind he? like,
1: he's of he's a police officer and he's yeah, on, he's on um, where is he he's what? in Jersey Jersey you know Jersey. how now yes. because of tax reasons every single British film was filmed in Jersey yes yeah. and back then it was money in yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah
2: I thought he was an antiques dealer that that's
0: Lovejoy that's Lovejoy uh, yeah, yeah. He's you're getting, getting confused. confused with machine. Yeah. machine uh, yeah, who was also still alive I thought you were going to say Party of Five. Oh no oh, go yeah, on that's crack on Party of Five is getting rebooted now I've never seen Party of Five I know it had Nev Campbell in it and that's the only thing I know about it
2: Well, so it was about a a, a family of five, which is five kids. The parents um, die, I think, in a car crash, I want to say. That's how everybody used to die in American um, TV shows. And the eldest kid, who was played by Matthew Fox, Fox. um, he looks after all the younger kids, which included um, uh, Bailey Salinger, was it? No, Scott Wolf. Scott Wolf. Wolf you yes. played Bailey Salinger <laughs> and um as you say, Nev Campbell, um formative part of my TV watching as a teenage girl. But what is it? Is it a reboot? Is it a does it join them? It's not the same cast, is no, it? No,
0: it's it's a serious, complete reboot. Uh been picked up by Freeform in the US. And it hails from the original creators, Amy Lippman and uh Chris Kaiser. Hmm. Don't know why it's happening, but it is.
2: And will it be set at the same time? Will it be
0: I kind imagine of it's contemporary. No, I okay. imagine yeah, it's contemporary. it has to be, right? Yeah, it'd be a bit <laughs> random otherwise. There you go. Party of Five. Should have called it Party of Six, really. If <laughs> Game of Thrones is going to shoot in the summer. The prequel. The oh, long, prequel, yes. long night. You yeah, said Game gonna of Thrones time. is going to shoot in the summer. That's clearly not true. I mean, no, because starts in April. Uh, No, but the the spin-off, it leads you to believe that the long night will arrive in 2020, which means we won't have to wait, like, have a a, a sort of Westeros-free (laughs) year. Right, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, Yeah. I agree with that. I I think that's what they're gearing up for, definitely. Yeah. 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 Because
1: they've they've announced the cast, the the huge number of people in the cast. Yeah, yeah. Um, And Jane Goldman's show running. Yeah. And I I do believe she's getting her team together. Yeah, I'm sure. uh, Yeah, I think it'll be I'm excited I'm mostly excited I think I said this last week with Jane Goldman running a huge big TV show I think she's Mm. a brilliant talent well,
0: we shall see whether, you know, not being based on George R. R. Martin's books will, will help or hinder it, but also Game of Thrones here a little bit. Uh, Harry Lloyd, who played Viserys Targaryen in uh, Game of Thrones, is going to be Professor X in the third and final season of Legion, for it has been cancelled, but he's going to be enough. Professor X in the final season. This is one of those weird shows, isn't it, Legion, where it was like, I watched it, i like, this is great, it's amazing, and then I just had no wish to watch the second yeah, season. Yeah,
1: same, yeah. It was something about it, yeah, it was like visually incredible.
0: Yeah, but not compelling. A bit
1: over the top, a mm. bit too much yeah. like sometimes so, so it has a slight american gods quality but i think american gods is more, more watchable, watchable not, yeah. not much more watchable but it is more watchable yeah. yeah have you seen as a downton abbey fan have you seen the junior fellows downton abbey news no you know there's a new this was announced only today it's friday as we speak itv commission's adaptation of julian fellows belgravia from carnival films the producers of downton to make it a big new itv drama series what's belgravia about belgravia was his own novel um, uh bestselling novel, adapted for the screen. Um, it's set in 1840s London, a tale of scandal and intrigue with wonderful characters spanning two generations at its heart. It's mainly Downton Abbey in London in the 1840s. So it's like when Cousin Rose moves to London. Right. But it's like the yeah. series. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's, yeah, kind of London high society. What more can we want? And leads up to the Battle of Waterloo and all that. Wow. All
0: right, all right, that's pretty good. Terry, guess what? What? Guess what? What? New Amsterdam has been renewed for season oh, two. Oh, Oh, yes.
2: Thank God. See,
0: the network gods clearly agreed with me that it wasn't as terrible as you thought.
2: You know, who who doesn't need a new mediocre hospital drama <laughs> in their life? <laughs> um, I want to talk about Lenny Henry and Windrush. Yes. Um, which actually I think is on during our review period for this week. Um, but it was only really only just announced. It's called Soon Gone a Windrush Chronicle. And basically, it's a collaboration between um, Lenny Henry, BBC Arts, um, the director of the Young Vic Theatre. um, And it's actually been done by Lenny Henry's production company. So what it is, is it was in in response to all of the um, Windrush stuff. I think it went into production in August. And it's a series and it's eight monologues set across seven decades, which tell various perspectives. Of the Windrush story, we haven't seen it, um, but it is on BBC Four on on uh, February seventeenth, which is a Sunday night at ten o'clock, and I think that will probably be worth your time.
1: Yeah, and the fact they're showing all, so they're showing them in double bills. Yes, um, on consecutive nights. Yes.
0: Okay, Michael B. Jordan has signed a first-lit deal with Amazon TV. That's pretty exciting. That's
2: huge. Mm. Yeah,
0: that's, 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 that's big news. Yes, Emmy nominee Michael B. Jordan. His Outlier Society productions have set up a deal with Amazon TV. Interestingly, uh, it will contain an inclusion rider as part of the deal specifying inclusive casting and crew. Yes, it's what he does. He has
2: hmm. the same... My understanding is he has the same arrangement with Warner Brothers, um, he? who he has a relationship with, and they also um, commit to the same um, uh, diversity kind of... What is the word? Well, it's a, di- it's a commitment a clause, to diversity. clause, isn't it? Like a kind of yeah. a contractual. It is a, co- a commitment to diversity, mm. which does include the um, inclusion rider.
0: Anything else? Yes.
1: Also announced uh, today is um, Stephen Merchant and Sheridan Smith are going to star in a BBC One series, The Barking Murders, which is a true crime series um, written by Jeff Pope, who's special. He is the king of taking very famous, he did the more side he did appropriate adult. Um, I mean, he wrote Stan and Ollie, mm. but he takes, he's the, he's the I think he's like the foremost person who takes mm. true stories and turns them into brilliant drama. He's such an underrated talent, I think he's fantastic. But I'm just it kind of interested in the idea of Stephen Merchant doing a very heavy, serious yeah. role alongside Sheridan Smith. Jamie Winston's in it as well. I think that's an interesting project. Is it project. set in Barking or does it involve dogs? It's set in Barking. Right. <laughs> it, it may well involve some dogs as well. And finally, have you seen? did you see the Christopher Quarry joining the President is missing news. No. Do have you heard about the President this is just a funny project, as far as I'm concerned. This is the series that's based on a novel of the same name by James Patterson and Bill Clinton. Mm. It's the yes, yes. yeah. They (laughs) co-wrote a novel. They co-wrote a novel, Terry. Insane. (laughs) Yes, about a a vice president who unexpectedly becomes president halfway through the administration's first term, and it's going to be made into TV series. And Christopher McQuarrie, of all people, friend of the man who does twenty-five hour podcast interviews with Empire, is (laughs) executive producing it.
0: James Patterson's a funny one. I used to read his Alex Cross novels uh, a long, long time ago, but then it felt like he almost like franchised his writing. Do you know what I mean? He he, did. Yeah, Yeah. because he would. It would just be. A novel. Yeah. James Patterson in association with the intern who wrote it. Yeah. And yeah. it would just be another one like he he just farmed it out. Yeah. Like the McDonald's of, yeah. of crime fiction. I
1: don't think I'm saying anything controversial when I say I don't think Patterson and Clinton sat down <laughs> at a desk, ah.
0: laptops out, going, Right, what, what happens next, Bill? Don't shatter my illusions.
2: Right. <sighs> just saying. Cynical boys. Yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, I have two more things to bring up. One I'm Stop. so
2: like <laughs> <laughs>
0: What? Tell us all things. is move on. The,
2: the longest news section. The longest news section in the history of the podcast. Unbelievable.
0: Unbelievable. You're going to want to talk about this next one, I am sure, Terry. God. That Netflix has given Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop its own <laughs> docu-series. How have you not mentioned this?
2: Oh my God, that is horrible. Yeah, yeah it's going is- to get its
0: own series on Netflix very, very soon. Uh, it's an exclusive deal. The untitled series, presumably just called Goop TV. I have no idea. Uh, it's coming this this autumn. Kind and
2: of, but what's it going to be? Because
0: it, I mean, it says it will feature quality storytelling surrounding issues like mental, physical, and sexual health, presumably involving vagina steaming and jade eggs, which you stick up your bits. Um, yeah, it also addresses apparently larger questions that the goop audience may have about leading air quotes optimal lives.
2: I mean, here's the thing, right? I I don't know, but I, all the women that I know think the whole Goop thing is a total kind of... I won't say sham because that's probably legally dubious, <laughs> but I'd say... Um, I'd
1: like to see a sue you. Is yeah. it fully
2: representative of what being a woman is actually about in any way, shape or form? And so the only thing I'm interested in seeing is a brilliant documentary that gets inside Goop and tells mm. you what the fuck yes, I think that's a about. Yeah, like it's
0: made by Goop, that seems Well, unlikely. no,
2: exactly. So, mm. so as much as I'd love to see these kind of cult-like videos mm. about, you know putting a pipe up your arse and shoving, you know, cranberry juice through it.
1: <laughs> I think that does work.
2: D- uh, then that won't be for me, I have to yeah. say. Yeah, like, I mean...
0: Nobody they needs might as well just to... call it charlatan TV or something. like yeah, Christ. I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> watch that. Yes, no goop. Uh, the last thing I will mention it is FX have ordered the series uh, Why the Last Man, which is the Pierre Guerra, Brian K. Vaughan graphic novel uh, from Vertigo, <laughs> which is... Um, no, this it's, is a this- bit of the news section where Terry and I are like, what is he talking no, about? No no, yeah. no, 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 no. It's incredibly called. famous series I'm, I've products. heard of FX. Yeah, no, but you've, you've never heard of Why the Last Man? No.
2: This is called James Talks About <laughs> Geeky <laughs> Stuff.
0: Have you heard about Why the Last Man? Have you heard No. Of it? No. First of all, that's literally not true because you sat next to me at the Live Empire podcast and listened to me bang on about it for about four minutes. You didn't
2: realise how easy it is to tune you out. (laughs) Have and how read? often I do it. Right,
0: listen, you
1: you go on about June every yes. week. You go oh on my God. This Don't is the new stop. one. No, I'm not starting it. Don't
2: start. You
1: are there, there's <laughs> other, you've what? You've read every fantasy like big huge sequence yes. of novels in the world ever. And yes. the thing is, there's like loads of them and yeah. they're all massively long. Yes. How do you find the time to free them? James in between is single. the shield. <laughs> James, James
2: is single. <laughs> and James's entire life is built around his massive telly. How big's your telly, James?
1: Not as big as boys. No. I mean, that's true. Yeah. yeah, but
2: Boyd, Boyd leaves the house quite a lot.
1: Yeah, he does, it's true. <laughs> like,
2: Boyd's often I am. mean, last like, to go
1: to the Supreme Store, but still. <laughs> I do like the moments on the Empire podcast where you and Helen, basically, are the only ones that have heard of this, like, 12-part,
0: 5,000-billion-page fantasy novel series. to Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time, one of the most famous fantasy series of all time. So this is not oh, that niche. you say so. And this, Why the Last Man, is an incredibly popular uh, graphic novels very very famous Yorick who is the last man played here by Barry Keoghan uh, lives in a world where there are no other men except for him and his capuchin monkey <laughs> named- oh yes,
2: this is the that sounds amazing. Yes,
0: His, <laughs> thank you. See, Terry's back on board. A capuchin. Yeah. Who's the monkey that did it? Named Ampersand, and the two of them—they are literally the last males, and everyone else is female. And there's Amazons, there's secret agents, and there's like it's the downfall of society. And it's you know, it okay. sounds like a weird male fantasy, like being the only man yes, left in does. a world it of sounds women.
2: Sounds like a female fantasy.
0: Um, I don't know if it's either in this. It's quite dystopian. and It's really sad. Like it's a real tearjerker at the end. Uh, but it's fantastic, and I'm very, very excited that this has finally because they were they've been developing this for ages. This has finally been ordered to series, so uh, yay, yeah. yay for your! How story.
2: excited are you, boys? I'm
1: quite excited by the Monkey Element, and <laughs> I, we, we must. I know you mentioned it on the Bloody Empire podcast, but the Handmaid's Tale trailer is really good, which is exciting because I think because I think we most people I know felt the last season was disappointing or just yeah. a bit much. Like too, much. W- too much and and the, and the I think they've done what they needed to do which is get us all excited for the next season with with an incredible trailer was it full of lols was it like really upbeat no but it just looked, looked not looked at all. it just looked very just stylish and compelling and interesting and it's always
0: looked that way but it's yeah. also yeah. really bleak and depressing and soul destroying which mm, no, is but why I to go. I think they're going down a slightly different route mm, I'll maybe. be interested when we come to review that because yes. I, I skipped I watched the first two or maybe three of season two and then just thought I can't do this it anymore it too much yeah, I mean so, you weren't the much. only one yeah yeah so we'll see maybe I'll, maybe they'll suck me back in Who it's like knows? just
2: submitting yourself to be kicked in the uterus over and over again every week
0: <laughs> which is not ideal no I don't want to kick James in his uterus no don't kick me in the no, uterus nobody fair. needs that right it's time for reviews first up this week we have The Umbrella Academy, which, which, contrary to what its title may suggest, is neither concerned with wet-weather accessories or Resident Evil, but rather a Netflix original series based on the Dark Horse comic books, which, of course, Boyd will have never have heard of and will assume that right. I've made up. Yep. It revolves around a dysfunctional family of superpowered kids who all reunite when their adopted father suddenly dies. And also, they have to save the world. Boyd, you've got to have had no patience for this. A little bit, yeah. I, I mean... <laughs> There is a, a monkey in it. There is. Sim- similar no, I think to- you find, boy technically, he's an <laughs> ape because he's a
1: chimpanzee. A good point, right. Okay. But that was my favourite thing about it. So it's quite complicated There's, it's quite the storytelling is quite complicated it establishes this group of people who are all born on the same day to mothers who weren't even pregnant until they knew this thing popping out of them mm. um, all around the world they then get adopted by this weird mysterious dude who doesn't seem to want to anything to do with them once he's adopted them and is a real like you know stay away dad and, not, and that's rammed home very yeah. unsubtly by the tell not show script and um, then, this, then but the, so I suddenly and there has got a great cast of you know Ellen Page other people Cameron Britton Tom Hopper Mary J Blige is in it you know yes. for God's sake Robert Sheehan being, like, really Robert Sheehan. I mean, being Robert Sheehan. Really, really yeah. Robert Sheehan. Kind of, you know. And and I thought, okay. And then, at one point in the middle of it, the ape arrived. So yes. he's this talking ape dude. Yes. Who's kind of in charge of... He was, like, he was like the kind of um, emissary of the man who's died, who who adopted the kids. And he seemed like a really cool guy. Pogo. This, yeah. So he... I kind of lit up when he arrived on screen. Then it got quite surreal, and there's like flashbacks to monsters being created out of nowhere, beating people up, and um, there's a guy kind of lives. The character seems to live on the moon, maybe. It's it's. I found it striving to be weird and surreal, and curiously unengaging. And yet, I kind of admired the attempt to do it. And I didn't. But when I got to the end of that first episode, I didn't immediately feel right. I've got to carry on watching this. Unlike some of those recent Netflix triumphs, you know, I mean, it's nowhere near as compelling. Even as something like Sex Education, the storytelling of that really makes you want to carry on watching it. And of course, our favourite of recent weeks, I've got the name of Russian Doll. Russian Doll, thank you. And of Russian Doll, which is so the storytelling in that is so wonderful, and the and the script is so. Um, Brilliantly judged. In this, I thought I, I thought the dialogue was
0: a bit clunky, so I didn't love it. No, it hasn't. It's, an, it's tonally peculiar, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Where it's at once quite serious and it's based on this quite dense mythology, but it has yeah. a slightly heightened, almost comic feel to it in places, which is it's Absolutely, strange. Yeah. And the characters are very stylized in the way they look and the way they act. Uh, like I struggled with that for maybe the first five minutes. I couldn't quite put my finger on. Like, is this a comic? Like, is it my, should I be laughing? But actually, it really sucked me in. And Pogo, the chimpanzee. I was very impressed with that because I thought the production values for this were pretty good all the way around but he yeah, like, he's brilliant, yeah. from a piece of effects work that's a very yeah. expensive completely digital right, I character. agree Yeah,
1: that, but for me that was so that was so great that I yeah. thought other elements of it weren't no, quite No, I really
0: be. enjoyed it okay. and I, I was fascinated I've only seen the first one so I haven't seen as many as you have but I, I definitely want to keep watching this and I thought there were wonderful grace notes in this there's a wonderful sort of like group dance session to Tiffany's I Think We're Alone Now which ends with this beautiful pulled sort of cutaway shot of the side of the building with them all dancing Dancing in different ways in different rooms to this particular song
1: yeah you see my v- interpretation of that scene was they're really trying hard to do something wacky and but it was great
0: oh you've got mm, no soul
1: i think well, we disagree and now we have to turn to terry as but, the person but, who decides which of us is
0: right before we do because she's clearly going to side with you i will say that it's interesting the graphic novels are set in the 70s but as uh, okay. like contemporary 70s whereas right. this i couldn't pin down where this no. was supposed to be no, Chronologically I mean, speaking, no. the one thing that did stick in my head, which probably says more about me than it does about the series, is there's a bit where someone sees the future and sees like devastation, post yes. apocalyptic, apocalyptic stuff. Yeah, and it's yeah. like I couldn't tell when the world had ended. I was like, well, Given that everything's literally still on fire, presumably about an hour ago, and then there's and another that bit that really like, annoyed me. Oh, and there's another line where he's saying, like, "I've
1: got seven days to save the world." <laughs> I wish I didn't work out how that tallied with the fact that he's already seen the end of the world.
0: Yeah. But anyway, it's, it's random, but look, I, I like this. I'm a big fan. This shouldn't come as a huge surprise to you. I will definitely watch the rest of this, Terry. You thought it was brilliant, didn't you?
2: So <laughs> I can confirm that Boyd is correct.
0: Oh God.
2: Um, so I really, so I really like the premise of this, you know, the whole, you know, 43 women suddenly give birth, hadn't been pregnant before, um, opens in Russia in 1989. As you said, it looks phenomenal. Like, the production values are pretty insane. Um, And then, you know, this difficult childhood with this, as you say, this inexplicably kind of absent slash abusive father, and, and, you know, they're reunited um, after he dies, and it's kind of about their really broken dynamic. Um, And... It just. The tonally, I, I enjoyed the fact that it was a bit weird and a bit dark, but like Boyd, I found it slightly contrived. Um, I got to the end and didn't really feel asked to watch another one. Um, it's a bit like, you know, a really, a, a slightly darker X-Men. Mm, um, it's very x men yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, but like, you know, a little bit like you did eat... I was like, oh, is this what Dark Phoenix is going to be like? Maybe it is. <laughs> yeah. um, so I don't... I just found... I didn't find the storytelling that compelling. As I say, it looks great. Um, the character work, and it was... I only watched one episode, so um, it all felt quite shallow to me. Um, and... Yeah, that was. I just kind of got to the end. I was like, okay, that was fine, but Worth I didn't noting, feel
0: it is superlatively violent for what it is. It
2: is, and some yeah. of the some of the set, yeah. some of the set pieces around that, or and they are well choreographed. I have to say, and they're well executed. Um, Especially
1: because there's a character who's a kid visually, yeah. and is actually an old yes. per, an old man who's who is whose incarnation is a child, which to. gets used to in the in, in the midst of all that violence, which is obviously a nice idea.
0: But they do kind of run that home rather yes. than people. Yes, they do. This is the Umbrella Academy and it is available on Netflix as of Friday the... 15th. 15th of February, day after Valentine's Day. Correct. So go out on Valentine's Day and then come back and watch superhero children murdering people. I think. Next up, speaking of things that are appropriate for Valentine's Day, we have Lorena. This is the Amazon Prime documentary about Lorena Bobbitt who went down in infamy back in 1993 when she lopped her abusive husband's knob off. It's executive produced by Jordan Peele and I've actually watched it.
2: Whoa. Oh. Yeah.
0: And it was a documentary and everything. But the gold but met... star for James for doing his yeah. work. <laughs> Get me. But, Terry, I suspect you have much you wish to say about this first.
2: I do. So, um... So I really like this. Um, like feels like the wrong word, bearing in mind what it tackles. And yeah. I think it does a brilliant job of redressing, which I think has been kind of a um, a real injustice done to Lorena Bobbitt. So everyone knows the story. Um, you know, she while he was sleeping, she chopped off her husband's penis um, and drove away with it, I think copped it out of a a window. (laughs)
0: Which is arguably the best part of this.
2: And, you know, in the ensuing years, um, he got quite a lot of publicity out of it, became a porn star at one point. Um, uh, And she's largely been really quiet in the, what, 25 years since. Mm. And there were... I know at the time she'd said that, you know, she basically snapped after years of abuse and that he had, in fact, raped her that evening. Um, He has been accused by other women he's been in relationships with since um, of uh, violence.
0: He's been to prison, I believe. And
2: he has been to prison and he's always denied it, um, unsurprisingly. What I thought was really great, and and I think this is the touch of Jordan Peele, so Jordan Peele has... You know, we interviewed him recently for Empire, and What he talks about is what he's really concerned with is kind of social issues and how they kind of manifest themselves. Um, and I think that's probably what he was drawn to in this story. And so what it's really about is a story of um domestic violence, of mm. spousal abuse, and what it does it platforms um, Lorraine Bobbit in a in a really considered, careful way. I think this woman has been the butt of jokes for twenty five years. As a woman, let me tell you that there is always some guy who goes, "Oh, don't let her do her a Lorraine Bobbit." It's become the punchline for psychotic unhinged women all men seem slightly afraid that all women are going to chop off their cocks um and it's become the kind of like you know the kind of tossed in joke that and she's come to represent a kind of as i say damaged deranged woman it's the first time she's i've seen her properly be able to kind of give her not her side of the story but really kind of talk about what happened um and why she ended up in the position she did i think it was handled really sensitively, really carefully. And I I hope it kind of goes a little bit of the way to stop it becoming this kind of punchline because ultimately she speaks to this in, this insane abuse she suffered, sexual violence, physical violence, emotional violence. And no matter what ended up happening to him, that's very much kind of the story that she tells as part of this. and And the consequences of that violence, both on her and that, and, and on him and the kind of greater trauma that that leads to. So I think it was much needed, and I hope it gives people a kind of an opportunity to really to to look deeper than the headline and the punchline and the fact that, you know, she chopped his cock off yeah. and all of that. Like, well, that's
0: the thing, is it's hard to get past that. This is a documentary about a woman who cut her husband's dick off. Like, that's, that's yeah. your top-level logline, and it's yeah. quite difficult to see past that, as it was at the time. I think it was an interesting one, because this was early 90s, and this really brought sort of spousal rape into Mm. the spotlight in a way that... Because people hadn't really talked about it before then. Uh, And so actually it was very important. So while she did become a punchline, it was also quite important in in sort of making that part of the conversation.
2: But I don't know if it ever was really part of the conversation. That's the thing. I think it it got Mm. tabled and then people kind of dismissed it. And I think actually what's really helped her story has been uh, movements like Me Too, because I Mm. think it's allowed previous cases to be recontextualised. And I think that's what we've seen with
0: her this this was an interesting one because I think they deal with it very well and the reason the thing I think they did very skillfully is this starts with the incident itself Mm. and they deliberately lay a kind of vein of humour through it because you cannot talk about this without finding at least part of it funny it's horrific it is horrific and What happened to her is horrific, but ultimately the act and the fact that she basically ran off with it and then, and then you got police hunting for a knob in a field. It's just inherently funny. And they do play to that, but they do it sensitively. And they have like talk show hosts talking about it. And you have policemen who refuse to say, as they say, the P word, because I'm fairly certain you can't say that on the radio. I mean, it's absurd. But why I think, but why I think is, absolutely
1: brilliant about this documentary is more than that i don't think it's just being sensitive and i don't th- i think what it's doing is it's taking this cultural moment and th- and there's a kind of subgenre of documentary do remember the oj documentary that, ca- that arrived just when the um the drama did do you know mm. just before there was like a five part yes, yes, 7 yes, hour yes. oj BBC. yeah which yeah. was shown on bbc and it was incredible cuz it took that moment that Kind of social moment and turned it into this incredible, made you rethink everything mm. you thought about. It. And this makes you rethink everything you thought about yeah. this incident mm. to the point where those moments where actual police people are still kind of wryly being comic about the whole situation, it makes you feel queasy. In all of those moments, I felt, and the, 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 um, the clips of there are clips of, of comedians being funny about this yeah. as soon as it happened, but then even years later. There are great clips of her appearing on chat shows talking mm-hmm. about it, and still the host is making fun of it, mm-hmm. even after they know mm. that she said, "No, no, no, I was in an abusive relationship with this guy who raped me," and he's joking about it as well. And he's joking about it as well. Yeah. Still is he's, Riley, yeah. yeah he's yeah. he. They've got access to him, and he's still being trying to be Riley funny about it. Aren't I, you know, the funny guy? Because he still sticks was, to his story. Still sticks to his story, mm. of course. But I thought this is. I think this is an incredible. Honestly, I think it's an incredible bit of filmmaking because it really is showing you. Shockingly, how, and I don't think it would have probably happened without Me Too, actually, because I think that they've gone, oh my God, we need to retell this story from her point of view through to show lens. how outrageous mm. Mm. she has been treated. But, and obviously, there's the comedic aspect, but they t- deal with that so
0: well and it's so fascinating. When you look back, and, and again, it's a very gendered thing, isn't it? When you look back, all the men from yes. police on down, yeah. they all take his side yeah. because ultimately, in their head, the narrative is crazy woman cuts man's well, listen, dick off. Also,
2: man's, uh, I'm speaking to you two as men. Isn't it a man's greatest fear? Yeah. that a woman is yeah. going to chop When I'm on of. the podcast with you, Terry, <laughs> always. <laughs> but, you know,
1: that is... You can't think of anything that feels like it would be the most painful thing you could possibly imagine. Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. But it goes... And, to be, and, and more than that, Well, process. yeah, and it,
2: it goes right to the heart of your masculinity, yeah. right? Yeah. What yeah. are you if you don't have right. a penis? And the only yeah.
0: thing worse than having it cut off would be rummaging through a field looking for, looking it. for it. I can only yeah. assume.
2: And I, I, th- um, I mean, I think, you know, there's always... There is always a... Um, uh, people are, tend to believe the man in these circumstances that's just part of the way society's been especially 25 years ago 25 years ago when domestic violence wasn't really spoken about that much sexual violence you know there were still people you've got to remember when was it actually made illegal to rape your own wife there were yeah. there were, yep. there well, was yep. a long time and there's still
1: states when it happened that w- yeah. it was still legal
2: yeah I can't imagine what it must have been like to be her for the last 25 years. I think it's not dissimilar to Monica Lewinsky. Yeah, right, I was going to, yeah. You know, have yeah, these women yeah. who were... And um, Desiree, what was her surname, who was um, raped by Mike Tyson. Mm. And you have these women who have become global figures of ridicule due to an event that happened to them that was perpetrated to them by men. And I think Monica Lewinsky is much in the same place where through one and it's obviously different because that was a consensual relationship but these women become pilliard and become figures of fun come back in 10 years and people will still be making jokes about Lorena Bobbitt they just will
1: and one thing I just want to say as well I think the actual filmmaking of this series is, is, is great there's something you know very there's there's a real art to the way they've put this mm, stuff together you know, like well think the R. Kelly documentary which, which is brilliant but, but it's definitely yes. functional yes. That probably quite rightly in a way because they're telling a story that's still playing out now and whereas this, the way they used archive and they wait just the graphics it's very never slick. It's very, very, slick. very well
0: done yeah. Yeah. and this is how many parts is four parts this is a four part uh, Amazon series and it's Amazon Prime Amazon also Prime, Friday the 15th also everything's on Friday the yeah. 15th so again you've been out on Valentine's Day you may maybe been on a date <laughs> (laughs) come back, this is the ideal thing to watch the day after. I mean, I don't think it is a coincidence. And that is Lorena on Amazon Prime. Lastly this week, we have a show that I have variously referred to in conversation as Dirty Phil and Stinky Pete. I've had real (laughs) difficulty remembering the name of this show. It is, however, Dirty John, and it's based on the LA Times True Crime podcast of the same name. This adaptation aired in the States towards the tail end of last year, but it finally arrives on these shores this week, thanks to Netflix. It's the true story of Deborah Newell, a successful business woman who begins dating this handsome doctor called John Meehan. Uh, She's been married several times before and is looking for love. He, however, seems, shall we say, a little off. I found this incredibly stressful viewing. (laughs) Uh, It's it's like it's a dramatisation of actual events, so so spoilers abound if you choose to to look up what actually happened, which obviously I did. Uh, And the actual events are even more stressful than I thought, but this, this, It was interesting in a couple of ways. It was interesting to me because of the events themselves are inherently interesting and the abusive methodology that he uses to kind of play on this woman, this very successful, confident businesswoman's insecurities and drive a wedge, as abusers tend to do, between her and her family members to separate her as a means of getting to her and, by extension, her money, um, was terrifying and compelling. And I thought he was really, really... You know, Excellent, but horribly excellent. He was horrific in it, but really, really well done. Connie Britton is excellent in it. I did think, however, Deborah's daughters, who were played variously by Juno Temple and Julia Garner, didn't have a lot to work with. I think their characters are quite grating and a little bit superficial. They didn't really sit well with me. But other than that, I thought the performance was very good. However... Despite the good subject matter and the excellent podcast and a couple of great performances in there, I thought this was quite a superficial show. I didn't think it felt a little bit not so much soapy as just trashy, mm. and certainly on not on a par with the kind of premium TV that we're used to seeing, you know, on Netflix and 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 you know and even elsewhere. So I kind of I thought, Do you know what, I'm not going to watch any more of these. I'm just going to go on Wikipedia and find out what happened, and that's what I did. And I recommend. Everyone else, do likewise.
2: Yeah, I agree. It was, um, uh, and it seems, bizarrely, doesn't seem like it can be real because it is so soapy. And it is soapy and it feels, and it feels almost like some kind of OTT, what was that show, Lives of the
1: rich and famous, rich and famous. Yeah. like
2: and yeah. it has this this real sense of daytime soap about it um uh so it, weirdly i was gobsmacked that it was actually inspired by true events because it doesn't feel like that at all um connie kind of Britton's great they're both fine um I just was not... As you say, I just think the, the production values weren't mm. there. Listen to the um, podcast,
0: really, is what we're saying. Yeah, just listen to the, the podcast. Writing, the
2: writing wasn't great. Yeah. And I just felt like... And as you say, the, the performances of the daughters, especially, I just felt like it was quite hammy in really places. Mm. And it's it seemed like... Uh, something that yeah it feels like old telly to me so you know Mm. how probably about 10 years ago (laughs) before it got good before it got good most american telly was like this do you know what i mean it felt like that it felt like a step back from where we are now
0: definitely so and i just think it's like look it up especially because i don't i don't know because i've not watched the whole of this season nor will i ever but i don't believe it covers the whole story because they're actually doing a second season of this so i think maybe it only covers it up to a point and then it continues Oh, no, um, I think the second season is, if, uh, is going to be a different oh, is it? case. Oh, yeah. So it okay, so does you know, do the whole... Yeah, I believe. Fr- so the yeah. whole John Meehan story yeah. is in this season.
2: Because it's an anthology crime series, right? Yeah, I think so that's what, it what it'll be. be yeah. so, so, yeah. so
0: the next one literally could be Stinky Pete or Dirty Yes, Phil. it could be, yeah. Oh, amazing. You see, I,
1: I listen to the podcast, so I, I the podcast is fantastic. Yeah. So the, the podcast, and, and what's so great about like many of the best, you know, from, from serial on, many of the best kind of true crime podcasts, it's the storytelling is so smart. So it starts at a certain point in the story which you which they've really thought about very carefully and then spins out from there so you kind of get to know mm. the different characters you get to know her and her daughters and him very carefully and very skillfully whereas this as you you are both absolutely right i was amazed by how clunky it was mm. and how kind of narratively straightforward mm. it was it almost and it did, and, and stylistically, I'm, I, I had the same question. I, I thought it opens with a, with a big helicopter shot over, you know, the kind of Floridian or wherever it is they are, and these big glossy houses where she lives, because she's a successful businessman, yeah. as you say, with in, on in, dealing with interiors. And it felt so. I'm like, are they deliberately having. It's like a satire, are they yeah. saying? <laughs> yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Maybe they are, but unfortunately, the. the Corollary of that is that you end up, it ends up feeling up like yeah. Dynasty or Dallas almost and very unsophisticated. And particularly, as you say, the performances of the daughters are so kind of different Connie Britton mm. is fantastic she yeah. is phenomenal like to me, I, they couldn't have done the casting of her is especially when you listen to the podcast it's absolutely brilliant because she's so real and yet the daughters are being quite unreal and kind of he's a little bit in the middle Eric Banner has a tough job because he's got to be this ludicrous kind of fake man I just felt yeah moments of it were, were again almost there's a bit in the hospital where he's working as a dodgy <laughs> anesthesiologist, oh and this poor woman oh my God. And, yeah. and, and it exactly was like yeah it was like a kind but, of comedy horror this film. is the whole
0: thing like if it wasn't based on true events you'd be like the plot is he's ludicrous ridiculous. Like, he's, yeah. he's an anesthetist who is stealing yeah. the anesthetic from the patients and letting them be in pain so he can go and like inject it or do whatever yeah. he wants to do it himself and there's that bit where she goes on the first date with him and he comes back and just goes into her bedroom and lies on her bed and she yeah. has to ask right. him to leave and he doesn't want to leave and then they have a second date and you're like what is wrong with you yeah. <laughs> warning right. signs Yeah, and unfortunately and in the podcast
1: Listening to her explaining that is so fascinating. She literally... This is a woman, a very intelligent... As you say, explaining how this man had this... Power over her, this coercive power over her, and yet in that they haven't managed to dramatise no. that. And, and there's eight. I mean, we should say there's seven more hours of this to go. So <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm partly like, well, it's that feels too long because they've already kind of set, mm. they've set yeah. it up, and yet such as the dialogue and storytelling, I don't feel it's going to really explain very well in the next seven hours.
2: But it misses. You're right. There's a whole. It feels like there's a whole bit missing. So yeah. as you say, there's this, you know, uh, disastrous first date, and then you'd normally get there has to be a bit which goes. And you see him, coercion takes real effort, real mm. control. Yeah. It's usually done over a fairly intense but very kind of specific length of time. It's all-encompassing. And you don't see that. He literally just like, he calls her up and they have a fairly kind of run-of-the-mill conversation. You're meant to believe that one phone conversation and she is firmly under his power. It's so just... there's a whole leap, which I think does a disservice, presumably, to the story and also to the nature of co- coercive control. And, you know, she is an intelligent, successful woman, presumably it took quite some kind of convincing and some skill on his part to be able to trick her to that extent. And narratively, the leap is so quick that you're like, as you say, you're like, well, there's no case being made for why she would go on a second date with him, why she would allow him into her home. Like, all of those things aren't really dealt with at all. You can sense them being like, quick, we've got to get to the next bit where they actually, you know, something's happening.
1: And weirdly, the the daughters hate him absolutely on sight, immediately, so there's a weird clash. But
2: no reason, and then uh, there's bits where the daughters are meant to be playing up. There's one scene in particular in the kitchen. And I was like... (laughs) This is so absurd and as you say it's so beyond what what seems like reality. Oh, yeah. I
0: did however like the one of the daughters who has now become my spirit animal. This, my favorite line of the whole thing was she was, there, was like oh, you just got to learn to deal with him. She's like I don't deal with people. People deal with me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like Ridiculous. I'm going to have that tattooed on me somewhere. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> it's a weird show,
2: really. Yeah. It? it is a weird show.
0: That is Dirty John. It does drop on Netflix the day after Valentine's Day on the 15th of February. It will put you off online dating for life, so do bear that in mind before you attempt to watch it. Also, don't forget to keep an eye out for The Walking Dead, which returns this week after its mid-season break. The show's return sees them mix the formula up completely by having a large cast of characters put through seemingly endless emotional trauma against a backdrop of zombies, apocalyptic ruin, and endless existential nihilism. And
1: uh, Terry wanted me to point out that Broad City, which I mentioned a while ago as being a show that people might not know about, its, it's new, f- new and final series is playing out as we speak. Well, not as we speak, on Fridays on the Comedy Central at 11pm. Yeah, you bansheed this a while ago, didn't you? I did banshee it, yeah. yeah. And uh, this is the final ever series, and it is wonderful, quirky, brilliant thing, and it's on the Comedy Central. Okay. Friday,
0: 11pm. I think I've already said that. This week's recommendation, I'm going to assume, is just split again. You two are going to recommend Lorena, aren't you?
2: Yes.
0: Oh, Lorena, definitely. Yeah. I mean, without any doubt. I'm going to recommend the Umbrella Academy. Why? Because would... no. it's better. What if can I tell you? It's
2: better. On what level <laughs> is it better? Oh,
0: it, has, it has a significant number more talking chimps in it than the other Well, one. yes. Yes.
2: Uh,
0: I liked correct. it. I think people should watch it. Who wants to banshee first? Me. Go on. Do it. <laughs>
2: I want to Banshee The Returned. Oh! Loved, loved The Return. And I'm not talking about... because Is this
0: the remake or the original? This is the
2: remake. Oh, no! Yes, because I'm one long crushing disappointment. The <laughs> remake of The Returned. <laughs> uh, for those who haven't heard of Returned, it is, it's just the best premise ever, which is um, basically one day loads of people who are dead suddenly start reappearing in their homes. Um, and I watched the American remake on uh, Netflix, and it was exceptional.
0: Does and now does it conclude properly or did it just stop?
2: What do you mean?
0: <laughs> what you're saying is the first series of the original ended yeah. kind of Aye. with a really in a really big cliffhanger what the hell's going on Yeah. I think. yeah. Like do we like like if I were to watch the returns now, yes. the remake, yes. you know, assuming that I was going to do a you and just watch it in English. If I were to watch that, would it would it, <laughs> you know, end does it have a proper conclusion? Is it yeah. an ongoing concern because it's not going on anymore, isn't it? It's finished.
2: I think so let me check. Okay. Um, no, actually, I think it was one season and they were going to have a second, but it never made it to number two.
0: Oh, that's Ooh. a shame. But you do recommend watching it?
2: I do. Okay. I okay. think it's still on Netflix. Or and is it, it, it
0: Les Revenants? Is that the French one? Uh, is it Les Revenants? Is that, totally like that's that that's the one it's supposed on? The
2: pretend yeah. is, I can confirm, on Netflix.
0: Okay, the returned on Netflix says Terry. Oh no,
2: it's not. It's not on Netflix. It's listed on Netflix. Oh, that's clever. It's listed on Netflix, but you can't play it, which means it's not on there, right?
0: Yeah. The returned annoying. has not returned to Netflix. You can't see it. It's dead. It might get resurrected. Is this what we're saying?
2: They have a listing for the returned, but you can't watch it. You
0: can't watch it on Netflix anymore. Oh. It's unsure. We're unsure why. You yeah. may never be able to see this. You yeah. just have to take Terry's word for it. <laughs> Okay, Boyd, what have you got?
1: Um, I've got another comedy. I've got my own little banshee kind of comedies. You may not have known about um, thing that I'm doing because remember I did last week. I did one. Julia Davis. I feel, one, I feel you're B. just trolling me with all of these. A little bit. Yeah, I am. A I'm hoping that one day you might realise comedy is the is the, is the best genre. mm mm-hmm. um, Dolan M. Have you heard of Dolan M? Doll and M was a very, very entertaining, sharp and um, enjoyable comedy um, about Dolly Wells and Emily Mortimer and their real life. Their real life friends, these two actors. Dolly Wells was in like a lot of British comedy like sketch shows less famous they've been friends since I think like college or maybe even before and it's all about that thing of actors jealousy of stardom and you know she can't kind of, so she goes with um, Emily Mortimer to help her being like her assistant and that is not a good thing for her to do and it's all about e- the egos of the of them and can yeah. they survive can this friendship survive it's really good this sounds really amazing funny point. yeah it's really really good and the reason I kind of remember it, we've got an Alessandro Nivola thing in the next issue of Punch TV magazine. When I interviewed him, he talked about how he was really he really loved mm. Doll and M as a kind of this. It was a British comedy that they created and wrote together and starred in together, and it was a really good thing. It was on Sky Living back when Sky Living existed. Oh my God, yeah, and it's really good, and it's still on Sky box Sets now.
0: Brilliant. What's it called again? Doll and M. Doll and M. I'm 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 breaking out the big guns. I've been waiting to do this one for a while. I want to talk about Friday Night Lights. Oh, yeah. Which which feels almost cheating, but mm-hmm. it isn't. And the reason I say this, so it's, it's a show that's simultaneously one of the best shows ever made, but also I think one surprisingly few people in the UK saw, mainly as it's a teen drama based around American football. This ran from 2006, 2011, so five seasons... Uh, It was based on the Peter Berg movie of 2004, which starred Billy Bob Thornton, but was itself based on a book about high school football in uh, a Texas town. Like Dirty John, this stars Connie Britton, but it it also stars the ever-excellent Carl Chandler, who I love as coach Eric Taylor. And he becomes a coach of the uh, the Panthers, the school... Team the Panthers in a town called Dillon, Dillon, Texas, uh, and we deal with the players and kind of their various dramas, both on and off the pitch. about Peter De- Peter berg developed this TV series, kind of after having done the film, uh, and among the students at various points, you get uh, Taylor Kitsch is in it, Jesse Plemons is in it, Adriana Palicki is in it, and there's even a young Michael B. Jordan in the later seasons as well. Ooh. He's very, very good in this. See, see. Interestingly, Terry wasn't listening at all. I said the words Michael B. Jordan, and suddenly she's no longer oh, looking at enough. Outlook. She's like, Ooh, <laughs> oh, now <laughs> I've got her attention. Because uh, I mean, you'd like it. It did have an incredible cast it of did. teenagers who have gone on to become. Yes, it did. Star. It did. And it's not a show about sports so much as about sort of the cult of, of school sports. It seems to be, I think, quite a particularly American phenomenon. You know, I fa- do
2: find that fascinating. Yeah. The yeah. whole uh, the, the way that American football teams and the way they take over local communities yeah. and essentially the whole t- can yeah. run around those football teams <laughs> Absolutely. and their chances of yeah. getting on to college teams but and- the
0: most fascinating part of that is they become these almost gods in the local mm. community but everything about them that's that's it disappears the second they graduate and they often go on to quite like menial jobs so these are people whose entire life is high school peaks and then it school. peaks at high school it's and, like then they're done.
2: and Michelle right yeah, yeah. exactly that <laughs> it's but an
1: incredible thing to see the, yeah colleges I went to I spent a year at University of, of um, Massachusetts Amherst yeah. and Did I never you? forget yeah and I never forget my first college football game you go to this thing and you and people you meet in class who are you know 17 year old and you go and see them on 25,000 people are watching them yeah. on a, on a Friday so night. It is so insane. And as you say, they are huge stars. It gets taken unbelievably seriously. They televise it. Yep. It's a whole unbelievable thing. Yeah, yeah. It's And, an and Friday Night Lights totally... I mean, it is about that
0: weird phenomenon. Yes. Yeah, yeah very much. So. But it's a fascinating insight kind of into middle America as yeah. a whole. It tackles all sorts of stuff from racism to economic oppression. I think what's quite interesting, though, for a show that is outstanding, the second season goes properly off the rails with some absolute nonsense storytelling (laughs) about there's a murder plot and also and the ratings plummeted when all this happened but thankfully they righted the ship with season 3 and it reinvents itself magnificently in season 4 which when uh, Michael B. Jordan joins with a change of tone and a change of venue which really mixes things up. You know it's really really entertaining Uh, it's touching, it's very well shot and very well acted but because it kind of bur- really burrows into the into the sort of character's emotions, It's very satisfying because of that. But the way it's shot is a almost entirely on location and not on soundstage, which is very unusual. But it's shot in that kind of documentary way where they did they did the scenes as one take, but with sort of three camera setups, mm. so they capture them from multiple angles and just ran them all the way through, which is and that makes it feel very authentic and very alive in a way that a lot of these shows really don't. So no, I, I absolutely love it. I have zero interest in sport generally, and absolutely no understanding of American football mm-hmm. whatsoever. Forever, but this show genuinely is spectacular and I cannot recommend it enough. You can pick up all five seasons as a DVD box set second hand and it will set you back £12. Wow. Hang
2: on, hang on. What happened to 50p being the limit?
0: Yeah. Well, th- th- I mean, maybe you can get the individual seasons for 50p each. I don't know. But you can get all five in a set for twelve pounds second hand. And that Where from? is pretty good. Well, in this case, I looked it up. I thought it was computer exchange. Mm. Wow. But I imagine yeah. you can get it from all sorts of places. Yeah, so I recommend you both do that.
2: And it's is it on any streaming platforms?
0: Sure, why not? I've no <laughs> idea. Go on, look it up. Look it up. I'm to going be. to look
2: it up. Friday Night Lights.
1: You can definitely get it on iTunes. I know that because I yeah, had a look at it. But that's going to be quite expensive. Yeah, yeah, it'll be more expensive than You're that. More expensive than true. £12 pounds for the I'm, whole show. I'm going to guess it's on Amazon. I'm sure it's on Amazon.
2: It's on American Amazon, but not UK.
0: Oh. There you go. It's on American Amazon, but not UK <laughs> Amazon Prime. Uh, so I, I refer you once again to the £12 pound box set that yes. you can pick up secondhand. And that is it for another Pilot Podcast. What's that? You've not been onto iTunes to leave us a five-star rating? For shame. Please address this injustice immediately. Uh, In the meantime, if, like Phil Daniel, you wish to have us discuss something, then do hurl your questions at me on social media at James C. Dyer or at any one of us, or at Pilot more generally, at Pilot TV Mag. Do join us next week for more of the same. And if you do manage to pick up a copy of Friday Night Lights, rest assured that it will be the best £12 you've ever spent. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Pilot out.